Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Here's how markets are shaping up, and we are coming off a mixed session overnight. And this is with the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite closing lower. The broad market index fluctuating near its highest closing level still since August 2022. That saw the S&P 500 eventually ticking down 0.4% to close at 4,267. The Nasdaq Composite dropped. 1.3%, the biggest loser, closing at 13,104. But the outlier was the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which added 0.3%, closing at 33,665. To wrap up and look at all the latest movements, we've got Andrew Cray. He is the co-chief investment officer at Crescent Grove Advisors. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Hey, great having you on. So let's get a take first an overview. What's driving markets right now looking at the latest action? Well, I have to confess at the outset here, I don't spend a lot of time looking at the Bank of Canada's press releases or the, the activity uh, north of the border for us here. But I think today, you look at what they did, they had a surprise rate hike, really kind of caught the market off guard, I think, mm. to some extent, especially the economist consensus. And then, you know, if you look at kind of the implied pricing and the, the short end of the curve, they, they caught that a little bit off guard as well. And I think maybe that's, you know, you, you saw a real lift in yields in the U.S. And maybe that was had a little something to do with the U.S. reaction. You can look at Australia, another one I don't follow closely by any means, but they had a surprise rate hike a couple days ago as well. Could that be kind of the template for the Fed here as you look forward and say, okay, maybe the Fed's going to pause, but pause doesn't mean stop entirely. Could this be a little bit of a blueprint that the Fed would have to follow if inflation stays stubbornly high as it's been? And so, you, you know, you see the 10-year uh, today up 13, 14 basis points, and then the NASDAQ, as you talked about before, off in light of that, it feels like a little bit of a repeat of last year yields up you know growthy kind of long duration high high valuation tech stocks down i think that's kind of what we were seeing play out today now let's unpack this a bit so you talk about the fed and also the central banks it does seem that the central banks are um, starting to feel a bit more pressured to address inflation much more than in the past few weeks i think not too long ago we're actually uh, seeing high expectations for the Fed at least to pause, but the market seems to be pricing a higher chance of it raising or even hiking by 25 basis points. What's changed in the past few weeks for you? Well, I think it's the inflation data for one, and certainly the labor market data that we've mm-hmm. continued to see. The payrolls numbers were, were quite strong. Uh, I think that's that's got to be a, a concern for the Fed and their fight against inflation. And then even some of the Fed speak, you know, you've had some of the, the Fed governors, FOMC committee members come out and talk about, you know, maybe we're not done here. Maybe we need another 25, another 50. It'll be really interesting to see what they do with their dot plot. This is going to be a meeting where they'll update the dot plot, update the, the economic projections. But you're seeing in the market sort of implied pricing, you know, about a one in three chance that they hike uh, at this June meeting. And then sort of incrementally, you know, maybe we get another full hike is sort of what's probabilistically priced in uh, as you look out to the July meeting as well. So uh, I think it's sort of a result of all those factors getting baked into the cake, if you will, uh, where everybody's saying, you know what, maybe maybe they're, they're going to pause this time, but they might not be done this cycle. Yeah, there's also another factor coming into play here, which is the U.S. debt ceiling. So that was eventually done with a deal. Uh, the next thing is the potential issue 
issuance of bonds from the Treasury to replenish those coffers. How much would these additional bonds uh, impact the markets when you think about the liquidity that might drain away from other parts of the market? Well, I think you said it. It's spot on, right? I think it's it's this idea that if you're kind of sucking liquidity out of the market, and in particular, some of these segments of the market, like these higher valuation tech stocks, some of the more speculative areas that we've seen do so well recently, is that going to be a headwind or a risk going forward? I mean, I, I think it's it kind of remains to be seen. We'll, we'll kind of see how the issuance schedule plays out, but certainly something we're looking at as a potential headwind here over the, the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I guess it comes down to the schedule and how much they space it out, whether it's going to be more front-loaded or not. So that's going to be a, uh, one of those potential events that could play out for markets. And let's go back to what I talked about, the tech stocks um, that have been, well, in certain days, in the past few days, rallying, but now it's seen a bit of a correction. And there's been a lot of talk about some of these hot names, the AI-related names, for example. Uh, what's your take on how that's been playing out for the tech space? Are we seeing enough momentum here, or is this just a fact that's going to go away soon enough? Well, I think there's something to it, fundamentally. It's, it's perhaps one of these things where it's um, you know, maybe a little bit overestimated in the short term and, and underestimated in the long term. Uh, you know, one of those sorts of trends where people get a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of the, the real impact that it can have on productivity on a very near-term basis. So if you look at some of the enthusiasm uh, in some of the specific names, you know, chip maker names, NVIDIA in particular, right? Uh, some of the valuations writ large across that space seem like they've probably gotten a little bit ahead of themselves. Mm. But I think about this in the context of what we saw with crypto. I think about what we saw with cannabis stocks. Think about what we saw with meme stocks. I think there's kind of a muscle memory, um, it's almost like a frenzy to rush into these bubble type assets like this. And people aren't are willing to play it. You know, as long as you're not the last one out, I think you get this sort of trader mentality where people want to step in and, and be a part of the action. Uh, that's not necessarily the hat that we're wearing. We're, we're allocators on behalf of our clients that have a longer term time horizon. But I think if you want to talk about momentum in the near term, could it continue to go on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think there's a real case to be made that we haven't seen the full speculative blow off at this point uh, it, across these names that you talked about. Yeah, maybe a bit of a FOMO factor here coming out. Uh, so if you look at the tech space, is there enough um, for the other parts of the tech space? Because it seems to be quite uh, top-heavy when it comes to the leaders, at least. It's not that broad in terms of uh, momentum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's been well-documented at this point that the breadth has been so poor across the market, broadly speaking. You know, one of the interesting kind of pieces of trivia, let's say, but uh, that we've looked at here at the end of last month was you know, the S&P up just under 10%. And you actually had more than half of the stocks in the index were negative for the year. And, you know, of that sort of 10% gain, roughly speaking, you know, a significant portion of that was those top names that you talked about. So I think there's a real risk, you know, whenever you start to push up valuations like that, particularly in those those sort of top heavy indices, that you're pulling forward returns from future years, right? If we look out on a three to five year basis, we kind of run our capital market assumptions, you know, and looking at, again, with this allocator hat on, we're looking at this versus that, what's more attractive on a risk adjusted return basis. You know, that's where we start to say, you know, maybe large caps have gotten a little bit ahead of themselves in the U.S., broadly speaking, and part of that uh, would really be the tech names in particular. Maybe we want to be a little bit more cautious mm. uh, on that segment, or we want to take some profits potentially in those areas that, again, have seen this real sort of speculative fever building over the last number of weeks and months. Yeah, Andrew, on that note, so we've got tech, that space to look out for, for potential plays. What about other parts of the market? How should investors be approaching investing right now? Where are the opportunities? Yeah, well, again, I, I referenced this idea that we're, we're allocators, right? We're looking you know across asset classes. And I think for us, 
one of those interesting parts of the market, if you go back relative to five, 10 years ago, where you couldn't earn anything in sort of shorter term safe assets or core fixed income, you know, now you're earning kind of that four, five, 6% range, depending on where you're playing it, uh, an investment grade type of, uh, of fixed income. You know, some of that for us is just an opportunity to replenish some of those allocations that may have gone elsewhere to try to seek return, you know, in, in those environments previously. So, and it's also represents optionality for us, right? You know, mm-hmm. if we do get a sell-off in equity markets at some point, we've got some ballast, we've got some dry powder in the portfolio, and we're not really sacrificing a lot. There's not a ton of opportunity cost when you can earn that rate of return and, and safer short-term assets. So that's that's one segment we're looking at. The other one I'll give you quickly is, you know, for our clientele, which can be high net worth investors, endowments, foundations, what we're really looking at, you know, on the private credit side, the other end of the spectrum, if you will, within fixed income, is that we're seeing a lot of banks pull back. The bank troubles have been well documented. Tightening lending standards has been discussed ad nauseum, I think, at this point. But that's a real opportunity for these private lenders to step in and really extract pretty attractive terms in this type of environment. So if you've got the wherewithal to lock up your money, you know, take on some illiquidity in the portfolio, we think you're being really well compensated for that right now. So the, those are two areas we're, we're spending a lot of time on with, with clients right now. Yeah, that's a great overview from Andrew Cray. He's the co-chief investment officer at Crescent Grove Advisors. Andrew, it's been great having you on the show. Have a great day ahead. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.